Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Welcome, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. I'm your host today of Everything Cooperative. And we have this morning on the line with us, Ms. Ajoke Williams. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Ajoke, is that the way you pronounce your name? Ajoke. Okay. Almost got it. Yes. <laughs> okay. So this morning, we're going to talk about this COVID and what different people have tried to do to get work and to make money. So what have you seen the trends, particularly with COVID and even before COVID with people and work? The trends in terms of labor have been changing their folks who are switching from traditional employment, employer, employee relationships, and venturing out on their own as a way to have slightly, they think they can make, have slightly more control over their schedule or that they can make a little bit more money by offering advertising their skills as specialized. Um, so these people go out and they become their own employers. We generally refer to them as independent contractors or folks who are self-employed. So what I heard you say is that they are venturing out on their own. Sort of like, I, I don't want to work from nine to five every day or eight to five. I want to have more control over my time. I want to make more money. I don't want to have somebody over top of me with their finger on me, limiting what I can do and accomplish. So you're seeing more people in that world, in that space? Yeah, um, I've been a trend pre-COVID as well, um, increasing permittivity of the internet, having access to markets that you wouldn't previously have, being able to use tools that would help you market yourself, in addition to the introduction of apps like Uber and lift which allow folks to go out and make a couple of extra dollars without having to engage in an entirely new employment agreement so you got uber you got lyft these different apps that the computer helps people to find work and just so i have a toyota prius i get really good gas mileage about 55 miles a gallon so if i wanted extra money i could go put a uber sign on sign up for uber or lyft and if I have an hour or two or four or five hours or let's say I have nothing to do on Saturday, I could go make some money. So that's what, what happens? Of course, there's some drawbacks um, with that because you're outside of the protections of an employee, which means that you don't get state and federal protections regarding your minimum wage or even the benefits that need to be paid in. Um, and that's what people are realizing now with certain apps that take advantage uh, or might misuse that classification as people who are self-employed, but yeah. So they may take advantage and you don't make the money that you thought or you don't have the benefits or? You make the money, but you know, given the paradigm that folks who are employees are the ones who get protections, as a independent contractor, you're left outside that sphere of protection. So you don't get the benefits that you might be entitled to. You don't, you might not have as much security 
that you initially thought if you decide to pursue something like that free time um there aren't that many means of recourse and if you do have to let's say your let's take any app that connects you to your your clients as a self-employed person if your clients don't pay your courses or your recourses are a bit more limited than if you were an employee so let's say i'm a cleaner and i go to an app that helps me find customers okay and i go clean somebody's house for four or five hours and i clean their house and we had decided it was 20 bucks an hour and I worked five hours. So they owe me a hundred dollars and they decided not to pay me. So what recourse would I have? Depending on the app, probably none. <laughs> the app has designed it so that if your client doesn't pay, then you don't get paid. Then you wouldn't have to, you wouldn't have a recourse. If their process for remedying these discrepancies is really long, then you might have to wait three to four months before you get paid. It really depends on what the ethos of creating the app was. And um, as we're finding many of these apps are very much more concerned about the transaction. Like how do we move the money between a client, someone who has a need for a particular service um, and someone who could provide that service? How do we serve as that intermediary and then take a portion of that for our um, growth, but not really concern ourselves with anything that happens outside that transaction? Okay. And that would be what happens with disputes um, where the benefits for the free, for that independent contractor is coming from the health and well-being of the person who's providing the services. So I did go to Fever once, F-I-V-V-E-R, Fiverr, <laughs> maybe, mm -hmm. and I looked for somebody to help me install a software package. Mm -hmm. So I ended up looking at a lot of different people, and I chose somebody in India. Spoke the language really well, knew accounting and new software pack. And I found them very, very helpful, except all of a sudden one day they stopped communicating. So in that case, I wasn't, I got good service as long as they were communicating, then something happened. I don't know what happened. So I decided the one thing I liked about them is I didn't pay. I, I put a credit card up, but the person didn't get the money to after the job was done. And I said, it was a good job. And so I paid them for the hours they worked, but not for anything else. So that worked well. I mean, even though I didn't get the job completed, uh, they took me along down the road and I hired somebody. I never would have even begun to, begun to know how to reach them. So I found it very helpful. Is that what you're talking about, this kind of world? Um, yeah, I'm, that's, that's an example of it. Um, part of this idea of independent contractors is a delocalization. You can be anywhere and provide your service and skill set to anyone else. It's not always a positive thing, because of course, you know, given the differences of economy, you could have folks from places where their currency is a bit lower in value competing with folks who are in the States for the same job, um, which then depresses the, the wages associated with that job. Okay. So that's what we're talking about. And, and what have you found with COVID? Have you seen more people in this space of becoming independent contractor and providing services? Yeah, I mean, COVID was a good uh, tipping point to encourage folks to step out and see uh, what it would take or what it would mean to be their own boss, become an independent contractor, uh, rearrange their schedule, whether that's realizing that they 
their jobs were a bit too stressful for the lifestyle that they were trying to live or that there were opportunities that had opened up because so many workplaces had gone remote which allowed them to use utilize their skill sets in ways that weren't seen before so here we go we've we've got covid come in people have businesses closed down lots and lots of restaurants and movie theaters and all these places just closed down and people don't have work. And so now they say, let me look and see where I can get a job or task, or we called it growing up a gig. Can we go get a gig? And that gig a lot of time was washing somebody's car or cutting their grass or removing their snow as, you know, junior high students. What's the gig like? And so, from what I what I just heard you say is that people with COVID kind of like forced to go out and see if they could make some money? Uh, they weren't forced. I think it was, some of them were not forced. You know, you can think of independent contracting in two ways. One way is some just stepped out because they needed extra funds. Others were, it's like a change in career path. They realized that their skills that they were previously using for the employer could be employed they can employ it by themselves market it directly to folks okay and my word of force is if i don't have a job and i need money then i've got to look for other ways and so i that happened also but also some yes, people yes. said hey let me see if i can either make more money or have more time or whatever the case might be and with this covid it may be i only want to go in spaces where people are vaccinated or Whatever, whatever the case may be, there are certain things that cause them to become an independent contractor. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Health concerns can be part of it. And so an IRS, they call it a 1099. They're not a W-2. They're not an employee. Uh, independent contractor gets a 1099, and then they have to have their own health insurance, their own payroll taxes, any kind of benefits or requirements as a business owner, independent contractor, they are responsible, not the customer that they're serving. Exactly. And then that includes having higher taxes when you're employed. Generally, you split that employment task with your employer. As a self-employed person, you pay the 15%. Of course, you can deduct it later. Um, but yeah, there are lots of overarching uh, benefits that a self-employed in person wouldn't get access to. I guess if you work really fast where um, and you get paid on a task, it could be quite beneficial in terms of um, the amount of money you can make. Because if, if normally some person may take three hours to do something, if you can do the same job in an hour, you can still charge the same amount the person charged for three hours and therefore you can make more money. Do you see that happening? So we haven't seen that, you know, in what I'm used to. It's so not thinking so much of the efficiency of it, but more so what is the holistic view of what's happening? Because on one side, you have a labor transaction happening. Labor is being done in exchange for currency. And on the other side, there's this aspect of um, all labor is attached to human beings. Human beings also have an aspect of needing social benefits. Okay. Social benefits. So what is this What is this called, this when people go out looking for gigs, you have more and more people looking for this kind of work? What, what, do you, what do you call that now? 
But it doesn't have a, like the act of just looking for gigs doesn't have a particular name, but the economy or the structure which they work in is sometimes referred to the gig economy. This idea that you can go and utilizing some type of app or platform, you'll be able to find a way to make quick money, get a gig. Get a gig. So that's, and, and the transportation, that's Uber and Lyft in getting a task that could be Fiverr or you told me another one, Task? Task Rabbit. But I mean, this task also rabbit. exists outside of the platform. This term is just a way to classify what's currently been happening. But people have been contracting independently with companies as independent contractors long before the advent of the internet and the platforms that help connect folks. So, Okay. So people have been using this uh, independent contractor to go out and get customers, whether they're working for a company or they're working for individuals. Uh, they go out and they find these jobs, but it's become more prevalent and it's called gig economy. So we're going to come back uh, after our first uh, break, Ajoki, and talk more about this gig economy and, and the role that you are playing in it. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. Your news talk station. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative, and we have a Jokie Williams on this morning, and we're talking about the gig economy. So, is there a definition of this gig economy? What might that be? Well, there are multiple definitions. They have to do with they typically revolve around this idea that it's an economy enabled by platforms or technology apps. Um, which basically pairs people with a subset of skills with other folks or companies. So folks usually talk about it in reference to how uh, technologies enable the connection of particular individuals skills with those other individuals or companies that need those skills. Uh, it refers to, it's also known as the on-demand economy, the ability to quickly and efficiently uh, get whatever business or personal needs you need met by someone else who you meet through the internet or a platform or an app. So how did you get involved in this gig economy? I'm personally like not very involved in that aspect of it, the pairing, but I am the program manager for Gilded and Gilded is a freelancer cooperative uh, and we help freelancers navigate what's known as the gig economy and we providing them some financial security through guaranteed payments. You mentioned the idea, what you liked about Fiverr was that um, you didn't have to pay your, your uh, the guy who worked for you until he completed the job. But in some cases, folks take advantage of that. So where's the recourse or where's the protection for the freelancers? Gilded acts as a, um, as a bulwark, bulwark against that to help protect freelancers and the work that they do. And then we are very much rooted in the ethos of cooperative uh, systems. So as a cooperative, we work to give them ownership of pathways to ownership, uh, access to the economic returns of Gilded, in addition to benefits as they're part of the larger community. And we want to make sure that they're well taken care of as workers and potential owners of Gilded. So Gilded is a co-op, and you mentioned a term freelancer. What's a freelancer? So freelancers are just the type of folks we were speaking about, the independent contractors, the self-employed folks who go out and offer their services, their talents, 
independent of an employing institution or company. Okay. So they include writers. They could be across the entire professional spectrum. All right. So freelancers are these folks that go out and get a gig. <laughs> They're part of the gig economy, right? Could, yes, they are. They are. Okay. They're at the core of it because <laughs> without them, there would be no gig economy in a way. And Gilded, tell me again what Gilded does. It's a co-op. Who are the members of your co-op? Uh, the members, so we have, so Gilded as a business model services freelancers. Uh, we provide invoicing and contract services uh, in addition to guaranteed payments. So that's making sure that our freelancers get paid whenever they process their contracts to us. These guaranteed payment services help with the financial instability that sometimes arises with freelancing. In addition, we provide a suite of benefits, benefits that are typically reserved for employees. So the idea is that we help them with tax preparation. We help give them some form of freelancers, some form of supplementary health care, um, which includes vision and access to primary care physicians. Okay. So the members are the freelancers? Yes. So as a cooperative, we have a membership class for freelancers, the folks who process contracts, which allows them to ultimately gain ownership. Okay. We so, also have a class for the staff as well. But. Okay. So you're both a worker co-op if the staff are members of Gilded and a consumer co-op where the freelancers are the consumer. Is that? To put it, yeah, we generally say we're multi-stakeholder. <laughs> yeah, the two, the two stakes, multi-stakeholders, freelancers and the employees. So you are a co-op. And then the employees, which you are one of the employees, are you a member of Gilded? Yeah, so we were incorporated in 2020. Uh-huh. So we're still working out a full membership process. But yes, I would be a hopeful, hopeful member of Gilded as a staff. So you would have worker... As a worker, you would also be a member, and so that you would fit in all of the benefits of a member, all of the reasons why to be a member of a co-op, you would reap those benefits, which we'll, I'm going to talk about later in the program. But the, And then we just also make it available to folks who are freelancers and part of Gilded, because we want, you know, ownership is power, and by having a chance of ownership, freelancers can help steer the direction of the cooperative. So ownership has power and the freelancers can help steer, direct, say what this co-op will do, what this business will do, which is one of the benefits of cooperation. Okay. Give me some examples of the type of freelancers, these people with the gigs, what kind of work do they do? If somebody wanted a task done, would they come to Gilded, and what kinds of tasks could Gilded then provide? I definitely want to clarify that all freelancing isn't task-based. You could have a freelancer who is, in essence, doing my job, like a 1099 person. It, it's actually a distinction of the relationship between the person doing the work and who they're doing the work for. Okay. So when you have employees and employers, there are certain regulations that control how that relationship happens. And what are the criteria for engagement for folks who are freelancing? Like I said, they have less protection. And so there aren't regulations. You know, you don't have an HR that you can go to if something happens. And so the folks that Gilded typically finds are just regular professionals. They might be website developers. They could be facilitators. 
Um, we've had folks who are artists, painters, potter, folks who do pottery, so a variety of skill sets. Okay, it could be website design, so something in the computer world. It could be an artist. Have you worked with any musicians yet? Not yet, but we're definitely hoping to work. Yeah, musicians are a good example. Uh, writers are also one. Journalist industry is also seeing a big change there where a lot of previously placed positions that were employee positions for journalists have been converted to freelancing to 99 positions. Um, not always a good thing, but yeah. Okay. What about... Um somebody that fixed cars and they don't want to work for a dealership or something and they want to do it on their own and they would look for the protections that Gilded would bring and part, part ownership in the co-op. Yeah, I mean, yes, they would technically be classified as a freelancer. So the way Gilded works right now is we're contract-based. So we help freelancers whose projects fit the template where we can issue a contract and have both parties sign. And some aspects of the gig economy don't work so well with contracts. And so we wouldn't be as well equipped to facilitate those transactions with those that do short-term projects, special projects. We are. Okay. Another way to think of it is more based labor that's based on skill, uh, less so on particular deliverables like customized skills. All right. So we got different types of people computer folks, website design, artists in that world, anything with a contract base. So you're issuing a contract with a particular company or person and both have to sign it, then that's where you guys come in and can be helpful. Exactly, yes. Okay, and you are helpful by also providing some of the, what I call the backroom stuff. You are help with the contract that we just talked about. You work with the invoices and then you help them with their taxes. They, exactly. We work through a partner um, to help pair them with CPAs for state and federal tax. And also to improve their health care. You can get help them improve that. That's the stuff that Gilded does for these freelancers in this gig economy. Exactly. You got it. I got it. Okay. Do you find any age range that sort of permeates this? Is it more like folks like me, more on the senior side that don't want a job but would like to get some extra money or young Um, people? Yeah, I think Gilded initially appeals to folks who are more younger to middle age, so you say 20s to 40s. But there are some older folks who've been freelancing for a long time and going it alone. And so when they do hear about Gilded, they're very excited. But it's harder to reach that segment. Okay. Of course, we're doing it. So we're going to ask, I'm sorry, but we're going to go to our second break. And when we come back, I really want to get into Gilded and talk about the you know, values and principles of the corporation and uh, how it works with within Gilded for the member owners that you're talking about so we'll be right back your news talk station
Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative. Ajuke, we've been on the air for almost nine years. This October will be nine years, and the National Cooperative Bank has been our main supporter. NCB's mission is to support and be an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, especially in low-income communities, by providing innovative financial and related services. Has Gilded had an opportunity to work with NCB yet? No, not at this moment, but Gilded was incubated by the U.S. Federation of Worker Cooperatives, and they have a good relationship with NCB. Um, oh, actually, I take it back, and NCB has helped us with fiscal sponsorship through our partnership with the Federation. So, <laughs> You're saying NCBA or NCB? NCBA. Okay, now I was NCB is the bank, National Corporate Bank, and I was wondering if you oh, okay. all had, had not any. Not the bank, no. Okay, okay. <laughs> But you are uh, affiliated with the U.S. Federation of Worker Co-ops? Yes, the Federation um, incubated Gilded, and we're a brainchild of them. <laughs> oh, okay. Fantastic. So Esteban Kelly has been on the show before. He's a good friend. So Gilded came out of the U.S. Federation of Worker Co-ops. That's interesting, and this whole gig economy, uh, working with freelancers. It's mostly because of the work that the Federation has been doing with its members who are um, worker owners aggregating the resources and powers of multiple businesses in order to provide benefits to those businesses, which at small businesses wouldn't have access to things like vision, good vision plans, good dental plans, um, in some cases, health insurance, access to disability. And the idea was to take that collective bargaining power and use it for a different segment of labor in this case, freelancers. Fantastic. Okay. That is really nice to know how it came out of an idea then ended up with a business that's helping all of these people. Do you have a sense of how many freelancers or people in this Gilded that are, that are working with Gilded right now? Yeah, right now we have 22 users. Okay. 22 users that are potential members of the cooperative. And how many staff positions like you? Oh, uh, there are three staff positions. Well, yes, three staff positions and a, con a consultant that we have. Okay. 22 freelancers and three staff positions with one consultant. I imagine on a contact base contract basis. Okay. Uh, so coming out of U.S. Federation of Worker Co-ops, I got that they're co-op focused. But why, what are the benefits of cooperation? Yeah, what are the benefits of cooperation? Mostly governance power and economic power. You would think of a, co a corporation being driven by profits as opposed to the needs of the laborers, of either the staff or um, the needs of the people that they're serving. Gilded's model allows the freelancers to drive Gilded uh, in our operation when they become members because they can run for a seat on the board. In terms of economic power as a member, you get returns on the dividends. Okay, so they can be on the board and they get, to the extent that Gilded is profitable, mm -hmm. they can share in those profits. Exactly, and serve on membership committees to help uh, provide input on the services that we're providing, that we're providing to freelancers several committees that help determine those formulas that are used to um, 
dictate with their patronage account. That's the name of the accounts that are used to pay out the dividends if they're gilded. And cooperatives also serve as a good um, entity that incorporates some of the power that labor unions would have into a business model. Okay. So this this co-op, there's, there's the values and principles, and you just mentioned, well, the membership, the first value is that co-ops are open to everybody and anybody. It doesn't make any difference of race or religion or age or politics. It just doesn't matter. That's the first principle. It's just open to everybody. So anybody that wants to join this, if you're a freelancer, you can go to Gilded, gilded.com com or gilded.coop what is how do you gilded. get it co-op we are co-op domain <laughs> okay so you can go to www.guilded.coop to get information about joining uh gilded if you're a freelancer so that's it's open to anybody the second is is democratically controlled that's every member is one member one vote so of these 22 members and potentially three employees or worker co-ops, there'll be 25 members, each one having one vote to direct the course of the business. And you mentioned there's a membership committee, so you can serve on a membership committee or any other committees to help direct the organization, including being on the board of directors that has responsibility for what happens in the uh, business. Okay, so that's the first and second principle. And the third one is autonomy and independence. I think I have them in order. Autonomy and independence. So these 25 employees must have control over that business. Okay, nobody else. Not not the government, not a, if you borrow money, not somebody to come in, not a big customer or anything like that. But they must have control. They have to say. And the fourth one is the one that you've talked about a couple of times is to the extent, well, there's normally a fee to get in. Is there a membership fee for those 22 people? Yes, there is. There's an equity payment that you make. How much is that? $100 for the freelancers. How much for the employees? For staff, we staff. haven't determined what it would be. So I would imagine at least $100. <laughs> okay. Uh, so there is a fee to get in, to be a member, to have a say, to participate in of the direction and what kinds of benefits Gilded will provide its members and the members are the one that know best at what membership they, what, what benefits they want. Okay. So it's a hundred dollars to get in. Now you've mentioned a lot and that's what I'm trying to get to. There's also a payout to the extent that Gilded is profitable. Okay. And how does, how is that patronage or dividend? How, how is that decided upon? Well, generally in the bylaws, and as we're gearing up to onboard folks to full membership, we're going to be asking them to participate in the process of deciding how that's calculated. So we want to take into account the number of invoices they processed, if they would like to do that, the volume of invoices they brought in, um, other aspects of just being involved and contributing to the cooperative. That's why we're pretty excited about fully formalizing our process of onboarding our members. Okay, so the key to me of what you said is they decide how that money will be used. And, and again, we've been on air for nine years. And anybody out there, if you want to go hear other shows, 
like I mentioned, Esteban Kelly. Um, but any other shows that you want to listen to, you can go to www.everything.coop. We are co-op domain also. And everything.coop, you can just put in somebody's name and listen to the shows that have been on. And um, you, get, you get a chance to say, the people get a chance to say how this money's used. And I found out in oh, throughout these 300 plus shows that's on this on our web page, it really boils down into three areas. And you can tell me if, if you all, if you've had conversation about these three areas of, let's say you all make, uh, I don't know, $10,000 to first year profit. You paid out all your expenses and the money you've come in, you've got $10,000 left over. The three buckets that this money normally will be put in, maybe not in equal amounts, but some save for to the business to help for growth. Some say uh, given to society to help the community. That's social responsibility, which is the seventh principle of cooperation. But it is uh, it could be to to stop the gun violence. It could be to stop to reduce teenage pregnancies. It could be to enhance people's reading abilities. It could be or you could say we want money to go in to help start more co-ops. But it's helping this social benefits of of the society in which one lives in and the third one is dividends that goes back to the worker and then you said okay there's got to be some formula and for the food co-ops is how much food do you buy okay if i bought a thousand dollars worth of food and you bought a hundred i would get a dividend 10 times what you got because i spent more money in that in the business here you're looking at Similarly, how much invoicing happens? How much business do you run through the co-op? The more business you run in a co-op to help with the profitability of the co-op, the more of the dividend you'll get. Does that kind of fit, summarize what you're um, doing? To some degree, but we wouldn't want it a straight one-to-one correlation because, of course, there's the systemic inequities, and we don't want folks who traditionally make less because of their either their race or their gender to not be able to profit. So we would want to ideally have conversations that include how do you come up with a formula that both is financially viable, and financially viable gives returns and also is equitable. Wow, okay. I would love to be in those conversations. Uh, have you had some of those already? No, actually not yet, but we're working with the co-op clinic from the U.S. Federation of Worker Cooperatives to structure the conversation so folks know what to consider when they're thinking about how they approach this problem. Like, what's the formula? Is it, and it's not so black and white that they can say that it's a multi-dimensional issue. So did you mean black and white like race or did you mean black? <laughs> oh, oh, it could be both. Okay. Okay. That, that's a wonderful conversation to have. I haven't had anybody on the air talk about how you do the equity part of it. Is how do you be fair with it, and how much business you bring to the to the uh, to the cooperative? What's the volume of business that you bring? No matter what the kind of co-op it is, like I said, food co-op is how much you buy. Yeah, and how do you do that? Oh, I I would love to ponder that. That's that's fascinating. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about the first, second, third, fourth principle, and the seventh principle. The fifth one is education, training, and information. So what kind of 
education. I know you're getting some from the Federation. You just the U.S. Federation of Worker Co-ops because you just said it. Okay, but what kind of training do you provide to your 22 clients, freelancers? Yeah, it's definitely uh, we're working in conjunction with the co-op clinic and the Federation to come up with custom training for our freelancers because they have a particular, they play a particular role within the labor economy. Um, so, so you're we just- don't have it fully structured yet, but we're working in conjunction to make sure that they have the tools in order to be full members and participate and feel the power of the position that they have as owners. Feel the power. All right. It sounds like a song here from the seventies, earth, wind and fire, maybe feel the power, baby. All right. Uh, and you're creating that training now with the Federation of Worker Co-ops. Yes. We're working with wonderful consultants there. Okay. I, I really would like to have you or, th- or that group come in and talk about what you what you end up with with both the training and how you get equity included into the dis- disbursement of the profits. Uh, that that would be a fascinating conversation to have, and the whole process that you would go through to come up with that equity piece. Um, love it, love it, love it. Okay, we're going on our next break. It's just been wonderful talking to you, and I really want to talk about future. And we've got the sixth principle of cooperation among co-ops, but the future of of Gilded, uh, the gig economy, uh, and, and this cooperative. We'll be right back. News Talk Station. Information is power, and that's why WL has made a great partner for these nine years. We're providing information. We hope that you use that information. Using the information is where you get the power. To start a co-op, go to the worker, U.S. Federation of Worker Co-ops to get information. If you want to do freelancing, go to www.gilded.coop to find out information about, particularly if you're working under contracts, to get support. Ajoki, I know you only have a few minutes left, so what do you see the future? Yeah, so I think as a future, Gilded can serve as a model for how you could treat all workers. So this idea of all workers should be entitled to benefits independent of whether or not they're associated with an employer is one that's core to what Gilded is providing. Um, This idea that there should be protections for independent contractors, freelancers, is one that um, I hope Gilded is able to promulgate and kind of embed policy. So either at the local, state, and even federal level. Also this idea of how cooperatives can serve as a vehicle of advocating for a particular sector in the works and the rights of those workers within that sector, I see as a definite future. Okay. Do you see more people joining this? Uh, freelancers, uh, in particular with what COVID has unfolded in terms of um, people not wanting to go back to jobs where they were treated like, um, I can't say the word I want to say, where they treated badly? <laughs> 
Yes, um, definitely. There was a study that was conducted by the Freelancers Union in Upwork in 2019. Um, it showed that freelancers make have been steadily increasing since 2010. Uh, it's projected to be about 54% of the workforce in the next com- upcoming years. And so as you know, the labor market shift, technology continues to open up possibility that gets organized. You hear people talk about the future of work. I definitely see more folks either supplementing their income with freelancing or switching full-time to freelancing. Supplement or switch from an employer to being your own independent contractor and reaching out to Gilded and or other co-ops that can support you. That's www.g u-i-l-d-e-d dot c-o-o-p to get to, to get help okay any advice that you would have for people any messages you would like to leave with people why this co-op world or why why independent contract uh, messages for an independent contract or why I'm sorry. I don't I'm, I'm good. Anybody out there, if they if they're working for somebody, if they don't have a job, what what would advice would you give them about becoming an independent contractor? Let's take that one first. Oh, I don't. I'm not definitely not <laughs> in the state to give advice for independent contractors because there's so many sectors. I will say that if you are worried about benefits and you're looking for a way to have a bit more guarantee that as you engage with your clients, you'll be paid on time. Gilded is a good avenue to explore forgetting that so oh that's great advice right there <laughs> okay <laughs> yes that's great advice and um we, we didn't talk about the values of cooperation but the, the ones i like is the ethical values of honesty openness social responsibility and caring for one another and that's part of this whole reason that the group works together if they're not only looking for how do you help self but how you help self as you're helping somebody else and have you found that in this, because most people are independent contractors, they're in a silo all by themselves. So do you find that they help each other when they come together with Gilbert? Yes, I mean, that's one of the aspects we want to integrate, uh, have it so that freelancers can start to share what are the rates that they're, sh- they're charging for particular clients, get more clarity about scopes and not have to go at it alone to figure out, you know, what is the value of my work? So by working together in the co-op, they can figure out and talk about what am I charging for my work? So if I've got a group of web-based designers, okay, I got five web-based designers, they can come and talk and share data. So they're training each other, basically. Okay, okay. what do we charge? And what's the best way to write up a contract? And how we how do we know when the job is done and when we should get paid and all of that? that they get history of that and you get to build on it and you have a contract already. So they have to go and reinvent the wheel. Yes. Right? That's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. Okay. Now I really, I, I love this in particular when I found out in the co-op world, when I go to annual meetings and so forth, that the information is shared. They don't hold the information. Say, this is mine. You're a competitor. It's like, it's shared. Listen, Ajoke, I really want to, Thank you for coming on today, uh, for being with us. I know you have to drop off now. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I look forward to have you back on at a later date. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. So I want to 
continue the conversation with um, the rest of you that are out there listening is this co-op space. Uh, and we're building in D.C. a co-op ecosystem, and that includes four different types of co-ops, the four sectors. The first one is a worker co-op, and Gilded is a worker co-op. That's when the employees own and control the business. The employees own and control the business. But Gilded is also a consumer co-op, and the people that are consuming the co-op is business is these freelancers. Now, there's another consumer out there, and that's the customers that the freelancers work for. But for right now, for Gilded and their in their structure, the workers are in consumers. And so it's what it's called a hybrid. And we've had a few of those on. There's a, a, a food co-op in Seattle, Washington that's a hybrid. The workers own it and the people that shop there own the business. Uh, so it's it's a hybrid. And, and working that out, uh, Gilded is working with the U.S. Federation of Worker Co-ops to get the technology that they need, the legal advice and the training that they need to know how to structure this. How do you put this in place so you end up with the bylaws that fit what the um, employees and the freelancers want? That's what makes the co-op so well. You get a, in this case right now, they're getting a say-so of what goes into the bylaws, uh, how this all works. I think if I recall correctly, in that food co-op, the employees own 40% of the business and the consumers own 60% of the business. Okay, there may have been different buy-ins and different percentage of, of the profit that goes different ways, but that's all worked out by the people that's involved. Um, they have a say. And this is why Dame Pauline Green said on the air once that co-ops help people to come out of poverty with dignity. It helps anybody with their dignity because of this say. You have a say. People listen. They hear you. They want to hear your voice, which is one of the the big pieces of dignity. And then if you get both a salary or, or an hourly wage and you get to share in the profits, you build wealth. Uh, there's a lot to be said for dignity and self-worth, how you feel about yourself when you have enough money to take care of yourself and your and your family. So the first type of co-op is this worker co-op. The business is owned and controlled by the employees. The second is a consumer co-op. The business is owned and controlled by the people that work in, in the business. And we just talked that Gilded is both of those. A worker co-op could be any business. Any business you can think of can be owned by the employees, by the people that work there. Large or small, there's some argument that once it gets over 500, it gets to be hard to manage, 500 employees. I have a sense, though, that you could put in systems like sociocracy that if you had a 2,000 employee business, it could be a worker cooperative. And then your consumer co-ops, you have, uh, we've already talked about food co-ops, could be either. Normally, most of the time, they're consumer co-ops. You have your rural electric co-ops, 75% uh, of the, the mass, the land mass, is provided by these rural electric co-ops that start in the 30s and 40s. It's owned by the people that receive the electricity. Credit unions are consumer co-ops. The people that make the deposits owns the business. Most of them don't know it. Housing co-ops are another example of a consumer co-op. So those are two, and then you've got two other types of businesses in this co-op ecosystem, two types of co-ops, and that is your marketing or producer co-ops, Lando Lake, 
Cabot Creamery uh, is an example of, of those. Then a lot of farmers uh, join this marketing freelancer. And then you have the purchasing co-ops, farmers, artists, they're all in that. The other part of the co-op ecosystem are those people that provide the technical support. Okay, the training, technical support, legal support, worker, uh, U.S. Federation Worker Co-op is providing a lot of that for worker cooperatives. National Association of Housing Co-ops provided, Federation of Southern Co-ops provide all of that. Legal, technical, funding, uh, training, and then you have advocacy work and public relations. That fits this co-op ecosystem that's happening in D.C., that happens in Seattle, Washington, in Atlanta, Georgia, and in any community, rural communities, urban communities. It was a pleasure talking to Ajoke Williams today about Gilded and the benefits of cooperation, the benefits of being a freelancer. And you can go out to their webpage, www.gilded.coop. If you don't have a job and you have a skill set and you're wanting to be your own employee, your own independent contractor, please reach out to them. And we'll see you next Thursday. And we'd ask that you would live cooperatively, live happily. We'll see you next week. Your news talk station. 